I have to look carefully at these boys up here in the front to make sure they're singing. And I don't know if they were or weren't, but they started singing when I looked at them at least. Did good. Well, uh, some tough news. Of course, we know that this coronavirus is uh, a very serious thing, particularly for certain groups. Uh, we know that for most of us uh, to get it would mean uh, perhaps a light flu or a severe flu. For other people, uh, based upon their health and uh, age and other kind of factors, it could mean death. And so uh, they're asking that groups over 250 not meet. Uh, and so many churches are already closed today because the last thing we want to do is get a bunch of people sick, obviously, or pass this thing on. So there's all kinds of models in terms of what the right way of handling this uh, is. Are there models that are handling this, uh, uh, the right model of how to handle this? There are many of those models. I'm using the offensive. Singular or, or plural verb. So we have one of our deacons in Vero Beach, John Day. Dr. John Day is a infectious disease professor. His specialty is West Nile, uh, but his, uh, all of his research for his life has been about infectious disease and how to help that. So he has uh, been on our health committee. We have a health committee at the church. Uh, Dr. Chrissy, Chrissy back here and uh, Dr. San, as well as Father Larry, uh, one of our bright young priests, uh, is uh, helping us. Uh, and uh, so but what happened is we've been getting daily updates from the CDC and all these different things. And then yesterday afternoon, after receiving our early report saying basically everything's business as normal, uh, we were, the decision was made in light of what's happening uh, and the models of how it passes and social separation, how that's the one effective thing that we know uh, can work. Uh, we will be not having services until, uh, at least until April the 3rd. Uh, so our services will be... Uh, streamed? Is that what you call it? Streamed? They will, live streamed. They'll be live streamed. In fact, I was thinking, when we live stream them, we'll actually pull the altar from the wall so you can see our faces. It'll be a little bit more interactive than just seeing. Some people think that my best side is really my backside, but nonetheless, uh, I will be turning and we'll have that for us and we'll be live streaming uh, next Sunday. And uh, it could go long. We don't, we don't know. Uh, one of the I say good things about Florida is the heat. Apparently, it doesn't last over 77 degrees, and so it can be, as some parts of the country uh, stay colder for longer, as the heat rises, uh, some models say that it won't peak until June. So it, but, but in some parts of the country, obviously, it will be very unusual if we're not well beyond that kind of temperature that would really work in our favor in many of our environments. So we just, there's so many unanswered questions, uh, you know, uh, we just simply have to be really, really careful. So it seems incredibly strange. I can't even imagine an award like not going to church. So for me, it seems just like a, a funeral in a way, just to not be together, worshiping together. But we have been for years talking about live streaming because people like Jason used to live in California. People have asked us and we never did. But nothing to do with the coronavirus. Father Larry helped us get the system if it doesn't work, we'll look to Father Larry, by the way. Um, anyway, he has worked to set this up for other reasons because people have asked us about it. So he, he's a technology guy who knows how to help. And so we actually, we're going to do this anyway. And uh, so for the, we'll have, we won't have it eight, but we'll have a 1015. And he will be live streaming a Bible study on the Holy Spirit. He'll continue his teachings, uh, kind of a fireside chat sort of thing from his home. Uh, Look sharp, by the way. We want to see you looking sharp in that. 
Um, it's not that he looks a little sloppy when he's at home. I've seen some of those videos. Uh, you just make sure you dress up and look really professional in that. And Anyway. Yeah, I'll turn it to see you. Okay. So the, church, the church's policy, and we've done a bunch of things in terms of sanitation, all kind of different things to, to help in this. There's a lot of things. that It is listed. Uh, you can get daily updates. I mean, I, it's not necessarily going to be updated every day, but meaning you can go to our webpage. Uh, a number of us don't use uh, Facebook, uh, but on... I was going to say FaceTime, Facebook, not Facebook. Yes, okay, on Facebook, there's a church site, there's a first, you can like friend our church or whatever, you can group. You can look up St. Andrews, Gainesville, Florida on Facebook, and you can go to our page. On that page, you will be able to directly see this, that's one way of which you can watch the service and participate with us next Sunday at 1015. Now, uh, it's also, there's a way to do it on YouTube. We'll, we'll try to have both of those links on our church webpage. Uh, if, I think uh, Facebook is the simplest, but a number of us don't have Facebook. So if you don't have Facebook, there is a YouTube channel, and we'll try to have that link available for you next week as well. In the meantime, uh, even this morning, we're doing things a little bit different. Uh, of course, most of us have sort of heard about this elbow thing, which seems to me strange, but nonetheless, or even, Father Larry's quite impressed with the, I was going to call them jazz hands, he calls them glory hands. Uh, this is what happens when you have a big net, you know. So, we're not shaking hands, we're not giving hugs as much as we want to. When we pray for you, we are going to be putting our hand on your shoulder, or not at all. Meaning, uh, we're not going to try, they say that not touching the skin uh, is a, a good thing to do, and so we will be doing that as strange. Now, we, there are actually things saying that if we anoint you with oil, if there's a need for that in uh, the next weeks, that it, that's not uh, considered high risk. But nonetheless, we're just trying to be really careful. You know, God forbid that somehow in our doing well and trying to do the right thing, we uh, endangered other people and uh, somehow uh, got very sick. We, uh, we know that part of the things that have happened in Italy, it's not simply that everyone dies, but the overload of the hospital has meant that the resources aren't there for other people, the heart attacks. I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, just, just hard to believe what they're going through. And apparently, the best we can tell, and the way that the models work, is that the social separation of not meeting in, in large groups uh, is a big thing. So even though we're, it, the number is 250 right now, and we're, again, we're well below that, uh, the decision was made that with people fearing, every, I don't know if you realize, but everybody goes to the CDC website and thinks they're an expert. So I've gotten more advice. I mean, I've got a PhD who that's what he does for a living. That's the guy I'm listening to uh, in terms of infectious disease. But you'd be shocked how many people have their own opinions uh, going to the CDC. So we're not looking for, I mean, if, if Dr. Christie or Dr. San, Christie, if they have, they, I mean, you know, but, but we're, we're, we all can read these websites. What we're looking for, of course, is an interpreting these websites based upon people that that's what they do. And, and the fact that we have a person who is an infectious disease PhD, that's what he's done in research for his whole life, uh, and still on, he's actually retired, but he still teaches for UF and does research. You know, that's uh, what we're looking for. So we, we feel like we're, being, we're erring on the side of caution, but it seems like a time where that's really critical, uh, and we want to be really uh, careful. Now, that said... Uh, you have, there's these new things called concierge doctors. Some of you, you know, where you just pay a month and you get all you need or whatever. So you have a concierge church. And so 
though we cannot uh, meet for the short term after this Sunday, uh, if you need uh, prayer, obviously by telephone or a visit, uh, again, we're trying to, you know, we may try to sit on the porch or something. I mean, we're trying to be careful, and we don't want, of course, priests going and making it worse. On the other hand, if you need care, we are certainly uh, going to make sure we're not going anywhere. The church office uh, will have people in it, but we're, again, we're trying to avoid all those things which would make the situation worse. Uh, if for some reason some of you can't get out or something, or you need uh, special assistance to change a light bulb or something, and and you can't, we'll, we'll try to help you out with that as well. Father Larry's got a very full schedule, I mean, open schedule for us for any kind of chores, yard work that you might need throughout the next couple months or so. Yeah, just make sure you're using your glory hands and he will be fine. Um, so no, but we'll try between uh, me, of course, and then the rest of us, we'll try to make sure. Uh, some people, this will trigger lots of anxiety and fear and we'll need prayer. That's great. I mean, I, I'm not great that it happens, but... There's, the Lord will meet us in this season. He's been faithful to our country, to us, uh, for uh, a long time, and we're going to continue to trust him uh, in this situation. It's unknown how it's going to affect us. Uh, I'm, I'm less worried about how it's going to affect us as a small church as opposed to the nation and some of the larger cities and places where uh, the numbers of people are just staggering uh, and the potential uh, for... Uh, overrunning hospitals and these kinds of things. I mean, and even all the people. Think about the people, the small businesses and the restaurants, and, and you just think, oh my goodness, the stress these people must be under. One of our people that come at 8 o'clock, uh, she is in charge of one of the temp services, or she's one of the managers at a temp agency, and you know, people are cursing her out. I mean, they need the money to pay the bills, and, and of course she can't uh, give jobs if there's no jobs. And, but I mean, it just reminds you at so many levels how many people are really hurting, and uh, this situation is going to affect, and uh, we really want to be in prayer about that. So I, I want to take a moment or two, and if there's any questions, if it's a, uh, if something I can answer, great. Otherwise, Dr. Christie may come up. Depending on what the question is, we just want to take a few moments. This is different than our normal service. But if you have a question, either myself or someone else might be able to answer it. So any questions? Oh, I didn't tell you about communion, right? We're going to take, this morning we're going to take communion in uh, one of two ways. Either you're going to take the host only by itself by putting your hands like this. If you want a blessing and you don't want to take communion, of course, the way that we always do is like this. But otherwise, Father Larry will come. He'll have the chalice. I think he's right-handed, so I think it'll be in his left hand. He'll be there. Father Don will be beside him uh, with the ciborium of the hosts. And uh, Father Larry will take one host and he will dip it in he himself you know, instead of putting it in your hand, picking it back up, putting it in there, we're eliminating that step. So he's going to take it out of the ciborium. He will, if you, if you, if you want it like this, you'll just get a host. But if you want uh, the host and wine, you, will, uh, you, will put, you won't put your hands like that. You'll just come, and then he'll put from the side of your mouth. Now, Father Carter, who's not feeling well this morning, he said the problem with putting it by intention is that people lunge. And I didn't realize that, that people, I'm always giving, uh, it's easier to give the bread than it is the chalice. So I always take the bread and give these guys the chalice. So I didn't realize that we have lungers in this church. Um, so there's a lunging problem. So what we want you to do is to know he is going to take it, he's going to dip it, and he's going to put it in from the side, probably the left side of your mouth, because he's right-handed. So try not, if you lunge, 
Then he has to stop, go, and re-clean his hands and come back. So if you could try, we think, if we do drop one, I or one of the other priests will pick it up, we'll consume, and we'll give you another. All right, so uh, and this is a little bit different. Every, we, we had a, a meeting before. We've got, we had meetings, calls yesterday. Father Larry read the colics in the wrong place. Everything. I actually found myself crossing myself the wrong way, which is kind of hard to, to do, but we're thinking about a lot of moving pieces uh, because things are different. So I'm, I'm trying to, oh, what, have I, what have I forgotten? What else do I need to say? So, um, by the way, in terms of just taking the bread, the theology of communion is not that you have to have both kinds. It's that the church at times denied the bread and the wine. So it's perfectly okay in a time of sickness or disease to simply take only the host or the bread. That's a completely, the idea is not that your experience with the, the body and blood of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit will be diminished. The problem was in medieval periods in which the, only the priest, the two different things happened in the medieval period. The priests would take the bread and the wine themselves and they would only lift it for the people to gaze at. So if you look in the 39 articles, you'll see it's forbidden for a priest to raise the chalice and the bread. Well, we do that, but it's not just raising. Is that they raise it only to be gazed upon, but they would never give you communion. All right, so that's, that's a problem. It's also a problem to give, to give on a regular basis to only give the bread and refuse the chalice. Okay, but it's not that you can't just by taking the bread or if for some reason you only took the chalice and not the bread, it, it, it's not that you don't have the same spiritual experience, it's that it's wrong for the church to deny you in a regular circumstance the opportunity to vote the bread and the chalice. All right, so, but if you feel more comfortable, it's completely, completely acceptable to simply just take the bread. All right, but we're not denying you, if that makes sense. Now, I think if we ended up meeting, you know, and they say, look, there's a good chance... For a month or two, we will only be using after day until this thing is over. Assuming we come back and this thing's still going on, we will probably only serve the bread. That's what a lot of Anglicans and Catholics are doing around the world as the best response in this time. But not as a regular, that won't be a new policy of the church, just simply until we get through of this flu virus or whatever it is uh, until that's done. Okay? Are there questions? Uh, there's a, that's a lot to tell you. I mean, it's, it was shocking to me yesterday afternoon. Uh, I never thought that I'd see the day when that would be like we'd, we'd have... I mean, there are... Uh, the Catholic Church has a prayer. In the times of the plague and stuff in medieval period, this is not the plague, but what they did is when people were not able to take the bread and the wine based upon like the Black Plague, there are times in history, they have a prayer for taking communion in a spiritual fashion, meaning even though you can't have the bread in the cup to participate... We'll probably have some form of that on our website uh, to help in the meantime. Um, but there will also be potentially ways. I mean, we're not going to have a drive-up communion, but uh, <laughs> I mean, we may figure out a way. Uh, Father Larry's big on the, you know, for sanitation and the, 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 the health, the little single-serving bread and cup. That, to any bishop or Catholic or Anglican, that's like, no way. But who knows? Maybe we'll be driven to our knees uh, and we'll be using single-serving uh, things. It could, glory hands, it could happen. Uh, you, you, you never know, but that would be like, uh, Archbishop Sean looked at me and I looked, I'm like, not a chance, but, but I never thought we'd say, we're not going to have church for two weeks or whatever, and it is possible, it could go longer, so you will have to pay attention by, I think it's Friday, April 3rd, we'll have an update at least by then, 
uh, and we just don't know. But uh, again, I can't even imagine, uh, but if this is the right thing, we want to do it. So any other questions? So there was all kind of other possibilities that we were going to talk about, but since we're not going to meet, once that decision made, a whole lot of other questions maybe are eliminated. Uh, we would really appreciate it if you participate with us. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there must be some way the Lord could even strengthen us even through this. Uh, and I hope uh, that you're longing for the body of Christ in terms of together and himself it'll increase for all of us. I, I certainly think, I'm, get, I'm coming to you, I, I certainly think it, it's going to be that way for me. So, yes, dear. I didn't see you earlier, but I just saw your hand waving in the back. We have no idea. It could be a drive-through. It could be a drive-through Eucharist. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine doing it. On the other hand, I can't imagine not having communion on... on uh, uh, on Easter, so it could be that you know we do the service and then and then we put Father Larry stopping traffic and we just move him right through here. I don't know if there's a danger. I think Father Larry will be out there with the cars and we'll be in here. Um, I I have no idea, but I there's got to be something. I mean, we're going to get very creative. I mean, we would have all cringed and say not a chance, but uh, who knows what we're going to do? Uh, we will be updating from as we know better. We will say, but. I would expect that we're going to figure out something, whether we try to come to your home, whether we try to, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly, but uh, I'm sure we're going to respond more than just spiritual communion. Exactly how we do that, uh, I do not know um, how we're going to do that. I mean, I guess we could uh, have people come in and walk up and walk through. I mean, I don't know. Once we figure out the health ramifications, uh, I just never imagined a day and the kinds of things that we're having to think through. Uh, it seems, seems crazy, except for then you think, well, the other thing could be that people could get sick and die uh, or overload the hospital system and other people could die. I mean, that kind of thing uh, is uh, obviously we don't we do anything not to have that happen. So if there's no more questions, are there any other questions? Yeah, there's a sign-up sheet in the back for what Larry can do for you. Yeah, he particularly prefers hard labor if you have a choice. Uh, you know, how he could serve you best. So, anyway. Okay, you had the handout of the New Living. This is Luke 11. I don't know how I typed it wrong, and it just says Luke 1. It is certainly not Luke 1. I can assure you of that. Um, but the verses are correct. I'm sure you're going to want to follow along closely, so you want to get your page here. Yes. That's the nice thing about having these young men right there in the front. These are good guys. I love these guys. He, I don't know if you noticed, but he's got my haircut. I mean, he's you know. Yeah. All right. Here we go. All right. Luke 11, chapter 14, starting, chapter 11, starting with verse 14. All right. The theme here in Lent is, it is not enough to remove the negative. We have to be pressing forward with adding the things of God. So for example, uh, it, you know, here we are in Lent. I've had a couple bad days. Mostly it's been real good, a couple bad days, but it's been, I feel like progress. Some things have been removed. It is not enough to take the negatives out, or say the negatives, like, you know, to stop eating sweets, whatever, without increasing our prayer, our time in the Word of God, our time in service. I mean, we want to add things, not simply delete them. That's why the church has put this here. Now, Ephesians 5, of course, is about sexual morality, how important that is. 
Uh, and he says, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Don't let anyone deceive you. There's a whole lot of people saying, this stuff doesn't matter. Everything's okay. That's not true. Uh, and, I mean, what a stark warning uh, there. So uh, don't, uh, don't kid yourself. Don't let anyone lie to you. Paul says, this is a sure saying. All right? The wrath of God is going to fall because of this. The sky is going to fall on people. Because, and I mean, think of the bishops and the priests and the people uh, in the last 50 years, especially, who have been in positions of authority of the church and said, God approves of what he does not approve. All right, now, because I came from, remember, there's plenty of sweet Baptists, I came from a mean Baptist. Let me mention that in Ephesians 5, it talks about joking and jesting. Now, the context means dirty jokes, it is not that you can't ever tell a joke. I went to Baptist church where there was ministers who like hardly ever smiled and they would never tell a joke because they didn't understand that Ephesians 5, that the context is saying that the joking and the jesting is that we are not supposed to be telling sexual jokes and things like that. Paul's idea is this thing is so important that we don't dare make light of and embrace by joking things in a sexual nature because the beauty of how God intended it and the goodness of that can be so easily defiled and our hearts and minds can get off the track so easily. We don't need anything extra. But the idea is not that we don't joke and tell a story. I mean, in general, it is sexual innuendo and joking that we are not to be named among us. It's a very serious deal, according to Paul. But it's about sexual joke. It's not about jesting and having fun at all in general. All right? So uh, we can tell jokes, we can have fun, but we don't want to be telling uh, those that are not holy in terms of something about sexual morality. Now, now let's get to this. Some of you have heard, many of you have seen some of these very things. Uh, I mean, Alvis, I mean, he's sitting, I think, uh, I, I don't know how many people that couldn't speak that we prayed for in India, but I'll, I mean, you know, who would guess that we would have seen people with this very condition healed and receive their speech in Jesus' name in a few minutes? I mean, I, you know, I would never have guessed it, but, but I know what it looks like, and, and I'm going to talk about more of that. So, verse 14, one day Jesus cast out of a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Now, I want you to understand that in most cultures around the world, they're shame-based cultures. And if you have a child or a family member who can't speak, people assume you did something wrong and you're cursed. And so they don't want to do business with you. They don't want to marry your cousin. I mean, can you imagine that, that, that uh, because you have a I mean, it's bad enough you've got a child that maybe isn't speaking or a family member, but, but imagine that no one wants to be around you because you're something wrong and bad to be avoided because of that situation. So it's a very high price. Uh, particularly, you'll see people would come into our meetings and they'd have a child, four or five years of age, never said a word. And, uh, and they were seen as the problem and experiencing this situation because they're bad and unclean in some way. And, of course, no one wants anything to do with them. So there's the heartache for the child, and there's a heartache because they're experiencing uh, ongoing being shunned in the little communities that they live. So I can remember the first one I prayed for. Uh, I hate to say it, some of you don't know the guy Ernest Angsley, but he was a faith healer guy. He's still alive, I think, in like his, maybe 100 uh, he had the worst, world's worst toupee. Uh, he was in Akron, Ohio. And as, when I was a child, back in the late 70s, he was on TV. And he would say something like, you know, 
When I was six years old, God took me up to the heavens and he showed me to the stars. And he said, read the stars, you're going to save a soul. And he taught like that. And I, I used to make, I mean, I just thought it was ridiculous. And I actually had like about a 45-minute routine uh, of this guy's. Yeah, and and uh, I'm embarrassed because I've since heard, although I don't think he's a perfect guy, I've since heard that a lot of people really got healed at his meetings. And I think, how outrageous, because you couldn't have someone that looked more kooky than him. And yet, Jesus chooses kooky people and normal people. There's a thought for you. Um, so, but, uh, but apparently, there has been great power in that guy's meetings. Uh, I've met people that I respect and trust and said, absolutely. Uh, he's come under some bad things lately, saying that he uh, did some things improperly years ago. But I hope it's not true. Who knows? But in any case, so I was in India. I'm hearing, there's a kid here. They're holding the child, and he can't speak. And I'm thinking, what do I say? I think, how do you pray? And I should have said, uh, you know, speak. Because it's not a, but I couldn't think what to say. All I could hear was Ernest Angsley, because he used to pray for deaf people, and he'd say, 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 baby. That's what he'd say. Say, 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 baby. And they'd say, baby. And then he would, talk, he would teach him to talk using the word baby. And, I, you know, I don't know why. But I heard him many times do that. It was in my mind. And, uh, and then he would also say, Say, Jesus. And uh, so I didn't say it like that, but I thought, oh, so the first thing, the first one, and then others that I prayed for, I said, say, Jesus. Now, of course, uh, they don't know English, whatever else, but you'd see the child within a few seconds, even though the parent is trying to translate, and they don't know how to pronounce Jesus the way I do, they would pronounce it, and they would say, they would stumble through Jesus, and then they'd say it, and all of a sudden, uh, I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit coming right now, all of a sudden, um, their speech would come. And uh, we saw a number. I, don't, I, I do not exaggerate by four or five for sure, but that might have been in one meeting. Um, amazing. But I'm laughing because I'm thinking, I couldn't think what to say. And the only person I could think of was Ernest Ainsley of what to say. Like, how should I pray? Well, pretty simple. Say the name of Jesus. And uh, the deli- of course, the parents for their child, but also to break off this... Uh, community situation where, it's, where they're, they're being outcast. I mean, unbelievable healing um, in the name of Jesus. And you could see it unfold right before you. So you can imagine this guy, not only he's got a demon is gone, and not only can he speak, but a restoration to the community, not as someone who's considered any longer unclean. Uh, and what a wonderful thing, an incredible thing that would be for him and for his family. And so the crowds were amazed it says, verse 15, but some of them said, listen, they weren't surprised that a miracle happened, but they weren't sure they recognized, which a lot of Christians do not recognize, that miracles can come from, from God or the devil. Not everything that is powerful. There are people in the New Age, there's Reiki, there's different things that people can do where uh, a force will come and people will get better. But the force isn't necessarily Jesus. That's why it's so important that we're careful uh, in discerning, not simply is it supernatural, but is it supernatural and from God? Okay, and, and that is a very important question. When I go to meetings, I test the spirits. I don't have time to teach you on 1 John 4, but, but I test the spirits to make sure. Is the power that is present, is it in fact the power of Jesus? Because it wouldn't necessarily always have to be. All right, and so you, there is there's some level of discernment paying attention. So these people recognize it could be God or it could be from the enemy. And so, in this case, though, they hardened their heart against the obvious goodness and work of God, as Jesus is going to tell us, and they accuse him of working under power, but power that's not from God, but of the devil. So, 
15. Some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. That's called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay? In the Bible, when they said that in their hearts, they passed a place of no return because it was willful and a deliberate sin against God. Meaning, there was a revelation in Jesus working by the power of the Spirit where they knew it was good, but they refused to accept it. There's more on that that could be said, but I'll just say that for today. No wonder he can cast a demon. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others, trying to test Jesus, demanded that he showed them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Some people always want to see miracles. They want to see miracles. But they have no interest in submitting themselves to the God of the miracle. Uh, I was sitting years ago in a... Um, uh, Mexican restaurant. It was over kind of by where uh, Five Guys and all this stuff. It was over uh, in that center there across uh, and uh, what, 23rd and, and 39th, uh, excuse me, and 43rd. Uh, and uh, I was in there and a uh, young man, uh, they, a lot of kids had prayed for him and tried to lead him to Christ. He was a friend of a lot of Christians and uh, he, would, he wasn't open. So he asked, I mean, these friends, these Christian friends asked if I would meet with this guy uh, we were having a Bible study with lots of college kids. Would you meet this guy? Because we've been praying, and, and, and uh, you, know, you could give him apologetics, and you can give him answers to see so we can get him saved. And, and so I went, and what I found is he, had no, he liked the attention of being the non-believer amongst everybody, and he loved that they're all trying to win him and being able to tell him no. He, he really liked that. Uh, and, uh, and I found out that really, uh, whatever, he didn't really have any real questions. He simply uh, wasn't open up to following God. But then he asked me, uh, he said... Um, they said that you sometimes hear prophetic words, and um, I actually heard a prophetic word. And so I, said, I told him what the Lord said to me, and, and uh, um, the Lord gave him a word of warning, a very specific and deliberate word of warning. And that's not something that typically, I don't sit across the table and hear things like that in a casual, but he asked for it, and the Lord told me. So I told him in a very loving and kind way, I actually, the Lord gave me the name of a young woman. And I don't remember, let's say the woman's name was Mary or whatever. I don't know the name of the girl. This, this is years later. And I said, who's, I knew it was a word of warning, but I just heard the name. And so I said, who's Mary or, you know, Missy or whatever the name was. And, and uh, he looked shocked. I mean, he like, you know, and, and uh, how did you do that? You know, do it again type of thing, like a dog and pony show. Do it again, you know. And uh, I said, look, the Lord's serious about this. You've got to have to be really careful. Two weeks later, he was arrested for a felony. He was having sex with an underage girl, and that was her name, uh, presumably. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it was in the paper. But meaning, from what the friends said afterwards, uh, he was arrested for, for, uh, for uh, improper behavior with a young woman. And he was only 19 or something, but how, I don't know how old she was. But anyway, he was arrested. I don't know what happened after that. But it was, a, it was a powerful word. But he wanted another word, and then he would have wanted another word. And meaning, at the table, he was like, do it again. You know, that, that was sort of the thing. And the Lord didn't give me anything other than that word. Uh, there are people who want to test you. They want to see the supernatural, but they're not committed. The miracles are not an end in themselves. They're there to point us to Jesus. All right? And when people misuse them, the Lord isn't bound uh, to jump through people's hoops to impress them. Uh, the, the signs are for those to point them to Jesus. 17, he knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom, just the principle of unity, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan. But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? So he says, by the principle of unity, it's obvious that Satan isn't casting out, cutting off his leg as a means of advancing his kingdom. It doesn't make any sense. 
Then he says, and also, you have exorcists that cast out people. How do you know that what they do is from God? And they would say, because obviously it's good. They're casting. He's, so he's saying, use the same rationale as you use with your exorcists. So this is what he says then. He says, and if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? Meaning, you have a logical understanding of how you know it's God. For them, just apply the same reasonableness to me. They cast out demons too, so they, so they will condemn you for what you've said. Because they would say, obviously, it's God, because we're, we're destroying the enemy. So, so he's saying you're not being reasonable or sincere in your pursuit of this situation. But then he says one of the most beautiful things, it comes out of Exodus 8, where the magicians in Pharaoh's court said, Moses does these things by the finger of God, meaning it's an idiomatic expression, meaning by the power of the God or by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a beautiful, says, if I do these things, and in the Greek it's literally by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is overtaking you, meaning you've been waiting for the kingdom of God to break into history and for the Messiah to come. It's here and it's now. And how do you know? You know because demons are being cast out. He said, that's how you know. That's the sign when the one stronger has come and has beaten the strong man, which he's going to talk about in a second. So if I'm casting out demons, verse 20, by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has overtaken or arrived among you. For when a strong man, he's talking about the devil having control of the person or the world. When a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Until what? Someone stronger than him comes along. Right? So we get like a make, a make my day moment here, as Jesus says in 22, until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. And he's saying, I'm the stronger one, and I'm taking authority over the demonic. Now, then he tells an important thing. St. Augustine said, he said, the soul of every Christian and non-Christian is like a donkey. Either Jesus is riding on you, or the devil is. All right? And he was... He was, it's a comment on this text that Jesus says next. He says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Some people think, well, you know, I'm not really living for Jesus, but I, no. Jesus says, and we don't say this to irritate people. I kind of heard this a lot as a child, and so I don't typically like pull this out in my rebukes of people. But Jesus said very clearly, if you're not living for me, you're actually working for the enemy. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That's a very heavy, strong word. And Augustine said, the donkey is either carrying Jesus or carrying the devil. Us being the donkey. Then he tells us about neutrality. Listen, it's not enough to get rid of the negative. Again, the, the focus on Lent, we have to add the positive. This is what he tells us. We extrapolate that lesson from the principle of exorcism. He says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the dry places. Uh, the desert is a metaphor. Searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home is swept and clean and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, so the person is worse off than before. Well, it sounds like, then why do exorcism if people can get worse off? Well, let's understand what the problem is. What he's saying is, when I come and I take authority of the demonic, the demons leave. And if you leave the house or your soul empty, if you don't start reading the scriptures and praying and worshiping and beginning, all you got to do is be growing and you're fine. But some people experience a powerful deliverance and they do nothing. And so that emptiness, because they don't fill it with righteous things, leaves them vulnerable to be attacked and not just attacked, 
but to be attacked worse. I have, never, I have seen people have that happen to them. Jesus will still set them free, but they do learn the lesson. I mean, it's, a very, it's much more complicated. It's more difficult. There tends to be a hassle on the way, but, but they'll get free again. I've rarely seen people make that mistake more than twice. I have seen people not take it seriously the first time. I've seen it, but Jesus is strong enough. It just, it gets, I can assure you that it, if that happened, you would not want to be, you would, you would be learning the lesson pretty quickly because it's a very big mess in the meantime. But Jesus is still plenty strong enough. And he still, if people will turn to him, he will still come and set them free. Uh, but it becomes more involved in, in, in terms of the person's own involvement in prayer, meaning they have to learn the lesson to get free when that happens. So the very thing that they weren't doing, which was praying and uh, reading God's word and going to church and taking communion, all those things they weren't doing, now they have to do as part of the process of their more complicated deliverance. But it is always best to get the demons out. Uh, I, I have at times said, I won't do it because the person was clear that they were not interested. Uh, but that's a rare thing too. I'll even, I've seen non-Christians, in most cases with non-Christians, if they experience a deliverance or exorcism, almost everyone in the encounter with Jesus for freedom, they come to Christ almost immediately. Remember, most of the people Jesus did, he didn't say, well, I don't want to give you, I don't want to set you free from the demons because maybe you're, no, no. The expectation in the vast majority of cases is that people will then begin to grow and they'll see God's love and they'll pursue him and they will be completely fine. I mean, the people are just moving forward as a baby believer, but they got to move forward. All right? And so uh, that's always best, except for, he's just telling you, don't be ridiculous and experience the love and power of God and freedom and then take that lightly and not grow in the love and truth of Jesus. So, we're almost done. 27. As he was speaking, a woman crawls up. Oh, bless is your mother. What an amazing thing to be associated and connected with this guy. And so he's, he's blessing. He's like, the, the woman who, who breastfed you, all this, this is, oh, what an amazing thing that, that this kind of thing would come through a son and that you'd have a, a real mother. And, and, but then look what Jesus says. He says, don't be impressed with that. It's, it's wonderful and Obviously, Mary and Joe, all the, but he says, hey, listen, every one of us has a bigger blessing. Look what the bigger blessing is. And again, notice how this goes in with the whole flow. He says, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice, okay? which is the very principle of Lent and obviously the very principle uh, of the person who's experienced deliverance. We want to hear God's word and we want to do it. When we don't do it, and we sin and we do the wrong. What do we do? If you repent, you'll be fine. That's part of the process. No one perfectly hears God's word and never, but we hear it, we obey it, and when we don't, we want to run quickly to Jesus uh, to experience his forgiveness and cleansing that he offers us at the cross. This is a season, now three weeks into Lent, where we want to be asking the Lord for his help, that not only that we stop from certain things, but we add other holy things to put them in, in, in their place and that we could grow uh, and be the people that God wants us to be. So Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you for your goodness and for your great power. Lord, I, I thank you. I never thought as a boy I would see the things, to see your word and to see how obvious and true it is and to see it applied in situations. And Lord, what an amazing, incredible thing. What a great God of love that you are. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this season of Lent. Help us to hear your word and to put into practice, to obey you, and, 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 and Lord, to be quick to repent when we get it wrong. 
But now, Lord, we pray for our nation, and we pray, Lord, uh, and for our world that's being overtaken with this flu and, and uh, our virus, whatever this thing is. And, and, and Lord, we pray uh, that you would hear our prayers and meet us, and that you'd send supernatural means, physical, whatever it takes, Lord, we ask that you would turn back this thing, uh, Lord, as we turn our hearts to you. We pray, of course, for the people in Florida, for the people in our city. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would draw us closer, even in this adversity. Lord, in these situations, you expose us, and we find out who we are in new ways. I pray, Lord, uh, that in this place, we would grow up, uh, not alienate and isolate in these other ways that we might respond. Lord, we pray, would you give us peace where we're afraid about the economy, about people's lives? I mean, there's so many pieces that we could be worried about. Lord, you're in control, and our worrying will not improve things, so help us to turn our fear, anxiety, our concerns, to turn it into prayer. Uh, Lord, to seek you uh, while you may be found. We thank you for your love. We thank you for our church. Strengthen us, Lord, even now as we commune with you by the power of your Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.